You are listening to episode 24 of The STEM Space. Today we have a special episode because you'll be listening to the audio of what was a live recording on Facebook this week with our guest, Carrie Tracy from Feel Good Teaching. We'll be discussing a subject that became a little controversial in our STEM Space group on the topic of craft projects versus STEM. Listen to our honest discussion and please let us know what you think in the comments on our website, vivifystem.com. We would also really appreciate it if you take a moment to rate and review our podcast. It really helps us to continue to do what we love, which is creating quality educational content for you. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the STEM Space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha. Two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. Good morning. Um, welcome, STEM Space Group. Um, we're excited to have you here this morning, and we are bringing you a special conversation today. Uh, so there has been a post that has brought up some controversy, stirred up some passion <laughs> in the group, and so we just had to jump on here and discuss it. Um, but before, first, let's introduce who we are. So I'm Natasha. I am the one of the admins here in the group. I'm also the co-founder of Vivify STEM. My background is in aerospace engineering, and I now work as the STEM director at a nonprofit um, in San Antonio, Texas. Also with me today is Claire. Hey, so I am the other co-founder of Vivify STEM. My background is also in aerospace engineering, and I am currently a kindergarten through seventh grade STEM teacher at a small school in North Texas. And Carrie? Hi, I'm Carrie Tracy. I was a teacher for 10 years. Uh, my master's is in design-based learning, and I currently run a lot of professional developments, online courses, uh, virtual conferences, um, all around STEM challenges specifically, because that's the piece of STEM that I feel most passionate about. Um, and I'm super excited to be here. Oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't even say, uh, I run Feel Good Teaching is my one of my blogs and also stemchallenge.com. And I am very happy to be here today because I think that these kinds of conversations are the, it's almost a luxury, you know, to be able to sit and reflect on our practice. And I haven't had a chance to actually talk <laughs> with other people in some time. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. So let's give people a little background on what happened. So on your page, Feel Good Teaching, this post came up and it said, uh, science crafts are not STEM. And I read it and I was like, yes, I totally agree. I posted in the STEM space. And then people, uh, there were some that agreed, but then some were, you know, a little critical, maybe didn't fully understand what you were trying to say. So give us maybe your intention of the post when you wrote it. Sure. And to be fair, I think that, um, I do think some of the criticism is definitely uh, fair. I'm not trying to gaslight anyone. The tone that I wrote that blog post with, it was cranky. So I think that some people even may have agreed with the message or the, you know, the underlying content, but like maybe not the way I delivered it. Um, and so, yeah, I want to actually give a little bit of um, my intent behind it. So for years, I've been doing, you know, a lot of professional development or, or blog posts or things that sort of like couch the same content in like really friendly terms, which is one of the criticisms that I, I get. 
And my saltiness or my crankiness is, was really meant to be directed at all of the people who are publishing and selling products that are labeled as STEM because it's popular right now and it's something that a lot of people are looking for, but it's mislabeled. And teachers are so busy that, you know, a lot of times they, you, we don't have time to go in and like really find and vet every single resource. And especially if you're new to STEM, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, when you go to the grocery store and like, there's like a label in the box and it's like whole grains, and yeah. you know, acai or whatever the most popular thing is that people are like into. And then you turn over and you look at it and it's like corn syrup or <laughs> and like, a, like a bunch of filler, terrible things first. And then eventually down near the bottom, it does have the good thing. So for me, uh, some of these things that are out there right now um, are really crafts. And I also wanted to say, like, I, I love crafts. Like, I'm, I love them. They're fun, but they're not STEM challenges. And so I'm, I, I feel like over the years, this problem has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, despite a lot of efforts from, like, people like you guys um, and some other people that we know who are um, trying to really get the word out about, like, what are the things you should look for to vet? what is really a good STEM challenge and what is a craft? And not to say you shouldn't ever do anything else, like not, not to say you should never do a craft or another hands-on science activity. I think there are so many different ways to teach that are valuable. I just want, if something is labeled a STEM challenge, I want it to actually be one so that you know, you should know what you're buying or what you're bringing into your classroom, particularly if you're a self-contained teacher in elementary school where we know science is getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed in a lot of places to where, you know, some teachers will say, I, I get to teach science 20 minutes once or twice a week. So if you're only getting that much time, I just want to make sure that, you know, that I guess I'm doing my, what I can to help, but I get that the tone is off putting and maybe turn some people away before they could even get to that part of the message. Yeah, so let's address that. Um, so one of the commenters on the post was Paul, and he said, some people are thrown into this and told just to make it happen, maybe a little bit of empathy that not everybody knows what they're doing. It's just disheartening to hear what we're doing wrong. 100%. And I actually um, uh, talked a little bit with Paul on the thread, and I think I think that uh, we got to a, a place of understanding, but I do regret knowing how knowing how hard it is how the how hard this job is and how people are thrown into it and just given little if any support in terms of training or like resources materials things like that like teachers are paying for all of these things themselves and trying to put together i think somebody said this like we're trying to put the put the plane together as we're flying it mm -hmm. so i do regret adding any sort of stress or making like anybody feel that way, um, who is out there trying to do good work. Um, that, that gives me like pause to go back and look. Cause I think I could see a section particularly in the blog where it's maybe, I think I said something about like, Oh, I see these posts. I see when teachers post like on social media and are saying like, look at this step challenge. And, it, and I, I view it as a craft and it's like, makes me insane. I think I could reword that part and then maybe direct my, uh, anger maybe <laughs> toward the people who are mislabeling and selling things that aren't really STEM. So I 100% I 
got that piece of it. And I also want to say that when I wrote this originally, although we did share it recently, but when I wrote this, it was pre-pandemic. It was December, early December, 2019. And after the year that we've had, I wouldn't use that tone right now to write a blog post. So like when I went and read it, I was like, oh, this feels harsher to me than I remember it feeling when I wrote it the first time. And I think that has a lot to do with all the the events of the last year. So I think that played a part in it for me, like as well when I'm reading it. On the other hand, I was telling you right before we got on, on the other hand, I love that it sparked this conversation. I love that the comments that I saw in the threads um, in your group, I also had posted it on uh, my page, which is I think how it came through probably on your feed and you shared it. Um, And a lot of it was positive. A lot of it was in agreement, but then I'm also really open to the criticism because I think we do need to reflect on not just the practice, but also the way we're communicating. But right. then sort of like the part of why I want to have the conversation too is to kind of decide how much do I edit and how much do I, is it maybe good that it provokes a conversation even if it makes people not like me? Yeah, so Claire, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I, yeah, definitely Carrie. And I think the whole point is just to see where the heart of it is coming from. And it's not from this point of view of, you're doing it wrong and we know how to do it right. But like you said, like it's a luxury that we've had this background in knowing what STEM actually should be. And our priority is not to keep it to ourselves and be like, well, you're doing it wrong, but do what I do, but to help each other, right? Because that's what we do as educators is we're all in this together. We're all on the same team for the benefit of all these kids out there. And so we just really want to make sure that if you, if any teachers out there maybe are really new to this or have questions about it or just didn't even know that what they were doing doesn't have some of the elements that would be really beneficial to add. Like the point of the article that I think you, why you wrote it was that, hey, you may have missed something and we just want to help you find it. Not that we want to tell you that you're doing it wrong, but let's help you make it better. Just like I hope that any educators would say, hey, Vivify, y'all are missing out something here. I have something that could help you too, you know? So I, I think that's that's what it is. We're all in this together, especially this after this past year, this whole virtual thing, that adds a new element and a new obstacle for STEM, especially, because yeah. we're trying to reach these kids, give them something hands-on when we can't be hands-on with them. And so that's what's a big struggle, especially with the whole craft versus actual STEM debate. It's like telling kids how to do something, but you can't give them those specific instructions because that often will make it a craft, right? right? So how, how do we do that? Should we back up and describe what STEM is since we're talking about this difference between crafts versus STEM? Yeah. So, so what would you say? What is what is the actual definition of STEM, and what does that make it different than a craft? Who's going? Carrie, you're doing it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and we're gonna and you're gonna add to it, right? Because I I do want to put out, like I want to agree with you too, Claire, about you know not trying to set out here and say like you should do everything my way, um, where I know all the answers because I certainly don't. I do think we all need each other in this way. Um, but for me, I think the number one piece for me is that it's open-ended, um, and that there are many ways to solve a problem. So there's a problem that has to be solved. 
Um, ideally, you would need elements of science, technology, engineering, and math. Lots of different people have different opinions on how many of the elements are necessary for it to be STEM. Um, mm -hmm. Some people say it has to have elements of all four. I think sometimes that might be too rigid, um, personally. Uh, so my goal always is, as I said in the blog post, you gotta, you've got to get at least two of them. So you need at least two elements mm -hmm. of STEM to solve the problem. You're using the four C's of engineering, creativity, critical thinking, collaboration, and communication. Ideally, you're working with other people. It's a little bit different this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a whole lot more individual things um, because of even if they're in person, a lot of kids can't share materials now and all that other stuff. So some of the collaboration we've had to be creative about. Um, but I think the other thing is when, you, when you're done, for me, one of the ways that I know if we've been successful is that the designs are different from each other. So if I look out at the classroom and I see a bunch of like, I almost identical looking designs, I know I have a problem. I know either I set up my criteria and constraints in a way that was too restrictive, or maybe I gave them materials that were too leading. Um, maybe I've got a copying issue, but that's not usually the thing that it is. Um, I'm getting on a tangent, so I'm going to pull back for a minute. <laughs> no, that was gold. Yeah. Claire. Yeah. So I was going to, whenever I read your post, it reminded me of our post, not all STEM is equal, which I wrote that because I was getting really frustrated. Um, when I was just, when you Google STEM, you go to Pinterest, you put in STEM, it's all these, like you guys said, step-by-step -step crafts, follow these instructions or just a science experiment. Right. And from our perspective, you know, Claire and I are engineers. And so we present STEM to our students as engineering and we use the engineering design process. And through that, you can apply some math, you can apply some science and you can use technology to solve a problem. I agree, open-ended, they shouldn't look the same. The students should be driving that solution. You know, we like to add in the real world connection, the careers, those are all kind of bonuses to us. But the core, um, you know, from our perspective is the engineering design. And whenever you're doing the step-by-step -step project, where's the innovation? Where's the problem solving? It's not there. Right. And I one of the things that um, I always recommend to teachers too is not to show them a picture or an example mm -hmm. of one that's been built in the past because it really stunts your creativity. And what ends up happening is that's actually one of the when, one of the indicators if you end up with a lot of the same design across the classroom is if you've started by showing them uh, an example, a lot of them will build, will just try to recreate that example rather than come up with their own solution to it. And that's one of the things that uh, you know, is one of those easy mistakes to make or just easy things to do because, you know, as a teacher, we, as teachers, we want to be helpful, right? To right. Our, so we think this will help, so I will do it. Um, and then you, you don't realize right away that actually by helping, sometimes you're not helping. Um, and that's one of the, one of the things that I think a lot of people do in the beginning and it makes perfect sense to, Absolutely. But then it robs them of a lot of the, you know, initial deep work of like actually trying to solve the problem on their own or in their teams on their own. Right. I think, I think it being student driven is another really important term that you that you used there. And one of the things that for me uh, was really challenging in the beginning was like to not help them when I would go around when they were building and just be like if they were struggling with something to let them struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, and like not to be rude to them or anything, but just, I almost like, I have to always, I put my hands behind my back and clap <laughs> my elbows. I literally do that 
so that I don't touch or point or are just like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I ask a lot of questions. I'll make like little notes about things I want to ask them later after the build. But I think, I think um, those are some really great points that you brought up about what really STEM should be. And I think there's a lot of stuff about step-by-step directions out there. And I don't think things that require you to follow step-by-step directions are bad. I think there's, there's, there are benefits in that. Just not the same benefits. And actually, oh, can you share that picture, Natasha? Of yes. The, so this is one of the things that um, I will say a lot to people is, you know, this like old timey exercise machine that really just like shakes you in place. You're like told this was like exercise. To me, that's what some of these things are when you when you look up on Pinterest and you look up on, um, you know, or whatever what what STEM or something should be or is. It's like, I'm sure that there's something probably that's beneficial about shaking your body. Maybe it's good for your blood flow, <laughs> feel good, right? There's probably some benefits to it. But it if your goal is to become like healthier or fit or stronger, this isn't the tool that you should be using, right? This isn't the resource for you. And it's not going to get you the benefits that you think. And so I think that's like the deep source of my frustration that led to that tone is people are being told like, or being, having this expectation, I think, of like, they know what the benefits of STEM are supposed to be. Like, it, it helps develop problem solving, critical thinking, growth mindset, collaboration, a ton of soft skills like resilience. Um, and so when you're doing, when you're wanting that, but you're using a craft tool, you're not, you're not going to get the results. Mm-hmm. You can pull the picture back out. I just wanted to, I just wanted to show yeah. Picture. Yeah, I think, and that's a good analogy. And I want to pull up another comment we got. So Sandy asked, you know, she's, I'm, I'm at a loss of how to do something in 15 minutes. Uh, to me, it's just not enough time to truly do a STEM challenge and then come up with something different each week. So she's getting guidance from her admin that you have to do STEM, but you only get 15 minutes. And that's, that's a really difficult place to be. And I thought you had a great analogy in the comments if you want to share that. Yes, I think the thing that has helped a lot of people who um, just like, because generally educators understand the, the idea of the writing process. Um, and not everybody, like STEM is much newer to us than the writing processes. So I think of 15 minutes or simple STEM as a quick write uh, or like free journal writing, either one of those. And there's value and benefit to quick writes, value and benefit to journal writing value and benefit to simple STEM or quick STEM. But if all we ever did for our kids was have them do quick writes and we never went through the whole writing process or rarely went through the entire writing process, are they really likely to turn into competent, skilled writers? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And so the same thing is true if, if all we're doing or most of what we're doing is quick or simple STEM, we're not getting through the engineering design process we're not getting to the points where we can really build up most of those skills that you're expecting and hoping are coming as a result of doing these activities with your kids. Right. Okay. So Paul just posted a comment. Welcome, Paul. Um, Good to see you. So we had pulled one of your quotes earlier. If I don't know if you missed that, but he has, he wants to talk a little bit more about step-by-step and I think I can show this right, Carrie. It's a long one. 
Okay, here we go. <laughs> so he's saying, I understand that doing step-by-step -step craft isn't STEM or science, but I disagree that it can't be incorporated into STEM. How do you teach kids about science concepts, technology, without giving them a step-by-step, -step, explaining what's happening, and then giving them an opportunity to explore on their own? I feel like introducing a concept and saying, go ahead, kids, do it on your own, isn't the best way. Carrie, you want to address that? Yeah. So first of all, um, I'm not suggesting that you should always only do STEM challenges and that you should only always do open-ended. Absolutely not suggesting that, especially if what you're teaching is science. If you're like in a self-contained room or you're a science elective, there are, there are things that have to be step-by-step, -step, right? Like if you work in a lab someday, there are things that you need to do in order to be efficient in the lab, and safe in the lab, and you do need to be able to follow step-by-step -step directions, 100%. I'm what I'm saying is that if you if you're doing STEM challenge, then it should be open ended. A STEM challenge should be open ended and there should be components of that. It's kind of like that, like part of a healthy breakfast, right? Like you don't only always eat eggs every day. I mean, so the same thing is like you, you do want to mix, Paul. I, I think you're right to do a mix. Um, I do think sometimes, though, we, we have a tendency because so much of the curriculum, especially if you're self-contained, so much of the curriculum is um, set up in a way where it's like delivered to kids. Like, and, and science is one of those areas, especially where we have more flexibility for them to discover uh, the content on their own. And I think sometimes out of either uh, habit or what we're used to or what we experience as kids, or almost a fear of like, well, what if they can't figure it out that we don't let them try to do it and we don't let them struggle and we're scared to let them fail at things when that's, I think, a skill that probably that's the thing that excites me the most about STEM challenges specifically is the ability to get kids more comfortable with the idea of productive failure and mm -hmm. not be scared of them. Like it might flop. Sometimes they, sometimes you set it up in a way that it flops and then that's a beautiful learning experience, right? Because then you can say, hey, I wonder, hey, let's regroup. Like, this isn't working the way that I thought it would. And, you know, let's see what we can learn from it. What can we figure out? And then we need to try it again. Right. So I'm yeah. so glad, Paul, you asked that question because I really, really want to get that across. Like, you absolutely should be mixing it up. Yeah. And I think he has a second comment, you know, about if you're struggling to tie a rubber band, you know, say you're doing a catapult challenge. And Claire, we've talked about this before in your classroom, when you give a design challenge and they're struggling, maybe with, we have that rover challenge, the motor and the battery and how it connects. Can you give me your thoughts on how you do it in your classroom? Yeah. So I think it is super important to remember that we are teachers first, right? And then we're facilitators second. So we can't just expect kids to come in our classroom and be like, okay, kids, go do your challenge. Here's your mission. And then just know what to do. Like we like to use the definition of STEM being that you apply the science and math concepts. Well, you can't apply something you don't know. So we do need to teach those science, show demos, have the kids experience it by giving them the step to step, step by step of here's how you can understand and experience the science or this math. And then now you have to apply it by doing this challenge that's open-ended. So they can't do that science unless we teach it first. But then, yeah, like in my classroom, you you mentioned the um, the rover is it has to do with this circuit where there's this motor that we have to attach to a battery. Well, if they've never touched a circuit before, like how are they supposed to know 
here's the materials, like make this work. It's right. like, no, we have to talk about how you do a circuit, attach it here. This is what you do. See how it works. Okay. Now take this motor and battery, attach it to a Rover to make it move. So you do that part, but I'm going to teach you the science first. And I think that if you do have short class periods, like you can break it up that way. I'm going to teach you the science in these 15 minutes. Next time we're going to brainstorm. And that's one way that you can collaborate, even if you're virtual or can't touch each other or share the supplies and teams is collaborate as a big group and be like, let's just share ideas right now and brainstorm. Where are you and understanding this concept, what we talked about last time. And then they're able to do the, do all the work themselves while you facilitate a challenge. Yeah. And a more extreme example of that is I do model rockets and I am not going to let kids just figure out how to build a rocket on their own. Like there's instructions. <laughs> <laughs> First, we have to, you know, put the engine in, there's specific steps, but to me, when we just build the rocket and launch it, they're not really doing engineering design because there is no innovation there. They didn't say, okay, if I add more weight, does the rocket trajectory change? Does it go farther? That's where we're getting into STEM. Prior to that, you know, I might've taught them some science when they saw the rocket launch and we can talk about forces, um, but that's just the distinction we're trying to make. And so, there could be, when you have younger students, they might you know, struggle with cutting or using rubber bands. And those are skills we have to teach them. We're not getting into the STEM part yet though, until um, they've been able to master a few things. So I wanna switch real quick to Susie, cause I know Carrie is anxious to get to one of the topics that came up. Um, she said, I find this rhetoric very anti-art and STEAM, STEM is super outdated. Without art, communicating one's STEM work is moot. Um, and so she goes on from there. And so I, I really want to talk about the STEM-STEAM movement and how art is integral or not to STEM. So Carrie. Uh, so actually, like back in the day um, when I was starting the blog and, and starting, you know, the TBT shop and all that, I was debating. Do I call these STEM challenges? Do I call these STEAM challenges? Which one am I going to go with? Am I going to go back and forth? Um, and that was, and now we have like stream and there's like STEM with two M's and there's like, there's so many variations that I decided, you know what, I'm going to keep it simple and I'm going to, I'm going to stick with STEM, but in my work, I am always, because I, I was primarily, I taught second through seventh or eighth grade, if you, eighth, if you count electives, um, throughout my career. And so I'm mostly was in the fifth, sixth range self-contained. So my goal always was, was something like this to tie in as many subject areas as I could, including art, including PE, because I had to teach that too. Um, and history, if I could, whatever I could, well, the more I can get in here, the more bang I can get for the buck of like doing this activity, um, you know, the more lesson standards I can cover, the better. And so my feeling is that's always my approach, but I'm not going to add in all the letters. And I also feel like sometimes with steam that a lot of people call it steam because the act of making something at all is art. Um, and my feeling is it should be more like, you know, you're actually pulling in the art standards in some way, um, or like incorporating them in a, in a more meaningful way. Um, and so I am not anti-art at all. Uh, I do incorporate, I think there are some, 
certainly some of my challenges where I do go into the art standards that could legitimately be called STEAM that I still just stuck with STEM so as not to confuse. Um, but it's also one of the reasons um, the STEM conference that we have coming up, I reached out to um, a presenter in particular who I, who I knew was passionate about art and about it being um, sort of like that definition of it not being very meaningfully involved or incorporated into STEAM challenges that are called that. So I think she has the same sort of thing where she's like, that's not, it's not art just because you're making something. Yeah. And so I feel like that's maybe an area for me where I'm not certain I'm doing the best job of incorporation. And so I would rather under promise by calling it STEM and over deliver than over promise and under deliver by calling it STEAM when I'm not I don't feel like I'm I'm 100% really super confident that I'm doing the best job with that. So that's that's why I went with STEM. But it's not that I'm not always trying to improve my craft. And I certainly think it's important. That's why I've actually, we have like artsy, artsy or authentic, like one of the presentations and authentic art in your scene. Like I, I really wanted, I, I've called in people I wanted to see present <laughs> because I know that's where I, a place where I need to learn. Um, the outdated STEM like STEM itself being outdated on its own or being, and this might be my interpretation of the comment and maybe it wasn't what it was meant, but I would love to get your thoughts on like the idea of STEM without art is not, not valuable is kind of the impression that I was. That's how I got it too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say to that? I'm going to let Claire take that one. <laughs> well, so there's several ways that, I feel like I keep trying to approach this in my brain. One of which is trying to not also be offended because, because I also would consider myself an artist. Like I paint and I play music and I love the arts and it makes me like fighting mad when they take arts out of school because I see it as so important. But also, I also look at to why, why STEM? Why is STEM this? important important thing so much so that I left my engineering career to try to help um, help incorporate it correctly into schools and it's because there's this big deficit in careers where we don't have enough people that are adequately trained to fill all these roles that we need I mean especially right now during the pandemic like we need more more doctors and scientists that are working on solutions to things like this and we can help by training up kids and equipping them to be the problem solvers that are gonna solve all the issues that we're currently facing. And so, yes, I think art is important, but that's not the point of why STEM is also being emphasized in school. Like, yes, I do think art can do a lot of things in the real world, but is that going to help solve this pandemic? Well, probably not, but- you know, make it feel better though. Yeah. yeah, make us feel better. And I think it does. It's been amazing and therapeutic in so many different ways, too. But the the reason that we do STEM is not to say it's more important than something else. It's just that there is a hole that needs to be filled and teaching kids the skills that are involved in STEM is super important for that, for that hole that needs to be filled. Yeah. And yeah. also, sorry. Um, I can keep rolling on my my soapbox here <laughs> uh is that also like 
creativity has been a very important thing in my life. And as Natasha knows, we are both classmates in school. I minored in creativity and creative studies, and I'm planning on pursuing my master's in creativity and cognition and seeing how um, neuroscience is backed up by facilitating this creativity that we can help kids to be able to solve problems creatively, which involves a lot of art, obviously. But engineering would not exist without this creativity too. Like Carrie, you mentioned the four C's. That's a big pillar of how STEM works. So if you are just looking at STEAM being making something like, like you said, Carrie, like creativity is in there. Like you cannot do engineering without coming up with something new and creating, right? right. So I do think that if you want to emphasize A and have STEAM, that it does need to meet some sort of art standards. But if you're just looking at them being creative, like it's there, it's already in STEM. STEM wouldn't exist without it. Yes. Do you have more to say? I can keep you going. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what's important is your point of we are not claiming that we're better than the arts or better than a science classroom. It's a, just a totally different approach. And, you know, the next generation science standards have added engineering design as separate standards. And that's kind of what we're following, right? And that's not saying we're doing, we're replacing anything else. We're just adding to the curriculum. And, you know, Carrie, you mentioned in your elective, you were trying to add history and science. Like that's not the expectation, right? Of a STEM classroom. That was your approach. And that's how it can be multidisciplinary um, and, and bring in the real world. But I think Paul even said, like, if we're just putting in all these subjects, we're school, that's school. Like we have art class, we have science, we have math. Um, but I hear you want to say something. No, I was going to say it's when I was self-contained is, one of the ways that, and this actually kind of goes to the question that Sandy had asked as well, although she was talking about an after-school program where she's got, you know, only 15 minutes. Um, one of the things that I struggled with as a self-contained teacher, especially in primary grades, was my principal uh, didn't really want me to spend much time teaching science because there were no tests in second grade on science. The standardized tests were ELA and math. So in order to justify uh, doing, taking the time to do like a STEM challenge, it would help if I found a way to tie in ELA standards, which I always try to do because then it makes her happy, my principal, but also <laughs> I, I can steal minutes from ELA because if we're going to spend time discussing and presenting and working on communication skills, those are in my ELA standards. So I'm going to take some ELA minutes to do it. Um, and I'm going to take some math minutes where we're, you know, we're measuring, you know, results or whatever it is we're doing that's related to math. So for me, um, the actual, like a lot of the time, the actual, um, building or creating or designing and engineering is done in the science class. And our, those, those are the STEM, I'm doing a lot of the STEM pieces there, but then after the fact, I'm doing even more M I'm doing ELA. I'm trying a lot of the times, some of the things I'll do is I'll tie it in with like some kind of a relay race kind of thing as the way we're designing something that works well in a relay race. So then I can get some PE in as well. Uh, so fun. All that we didn't have elective teachers when I was in that school that I was in. Wow. So it's like as much as I can get out of this activity so that I don't have to justify doing it because that for us, I mean, you have to less so now. Um, but then I had to really, cause it looks like fun. 
Right. You know, when, when you come into a classroom and it just, it looks like they're just having fun um, and that you're like, no, 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 here are all the standards I'm going to hit because of this. Um, and I wanted to say something to Sandy too about her time limit. I thought her original idea, she was saying she's supposed to read the Lemonade Wars over eight weeks in an after-school program. And the idea was 15 minutes of that time every week was supposed to be a mini STEM challenge. But her original idea was to read the book and then have them build lemonade stands at the end. Like, so she would like move more of the time at the end into their STEM um, challenge so they could do something more um, meaningful or in depth. I think that idea probably to me sounds better. I'm curious about, I don't know, I didn't get to check because I just asked before we got on how long she actually gets with them each week, because maybe there are even ways, I don't know if it has to be Lemonade Wars. It might even be better. It might be another approach um, to like read a picture book because there are lots of picture books that are still good for upper grades. I don't know what her grade levels are exactly, but I figure if she's reading Lemonade Wars, it's probably not super young. Um, and then like doing, like having a full period for another STEM challenge or I would just see if you could go to your admin and pitch some other ideas and use the quick writes versus writing process as your justification for why it could be a lot more beneficial for them rather than just like trying to do a lot of small things. Just bulk up those minutes, put them all together. Because I think, I think to me, that sounded like a better, a better plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that STEM is so new that a lot of people are trying to figure it out. And from the admin perspective, they have all these expectations, right? Because they, one, don't really understand what STEM is. And so I know when I was working in this San Antonio district, they were like, okay, we're doing quadcopters, we're doing rockets, we're doing 3D printing, like we need you to do all that's all STEM. And in the end, it would just became a photo op because the right. kids didn't even have time to, they weren't programming a quadcopter. They were just throwing it around and it hit a tree. And then what did we learn? I have no idea. Like, <laughs> and so that's one thing I, I worry about with STEM is, you know, it becomes really flashy without yeah. real understanding from the students. And you have to balance that as an educator where you're making your admin happy. You're making your, maybe your funders, you're getting grants, you've got the robots and the cool tools, but what are we teaching the kids? Like if STEM is taking up our school day, it's taking up space, time from something else. Let's make it meaningful. And I think that gets back to your original point of this craft. You know, what is it? What's the goal here? And we're all kind of trying to figure it out together because STEM is still being developed. And that's why it's frustrating. And I want to emphasize that your post was at the curriculum writers and all those people posting on like Pinterest or whatever and flooding the market and convincing teachers that you can just do this quick craft and you've taught all this engineering design and other skills. Right. Um, so I'm going to give each of you guys, you know, the last word. Uh, so Claire, I want to start with you. Uh, if you have any other thoughts before we wrap up. Yeah, I think to your, to your point, Natasha, I think the main thing for us to emphasize to administrators and those who are new to STEM is that, yeah, it looks really cool to make that end product, but like most things, the whole point is that process and giving kids those skills and tools for their mental toolbox of how do we problem solve. So our focus is to help them be able to think critically and collaborate and all those uh, 21st century skills. So even if you're confused about how to incorporate the technology or the science or the math, just 
reflecting back on what are kids taking away from this? Is it instructions on how to do something or is it a new skill? And I think that's at the base level, what we're trying to focus in on is STEM skills and not a STEM product. Yes, process over product. Yeah. That's, one of, that's one of my favorite things to say. Um, <laughs> I would like to say uh, first, thank you guys for even coming and listening to this because I think, like I said earlier, this is such a, a it shouldn't be a luxury to reflect on practice. It shouldn't be, this, but it's the first thing that gets squeezed out um, and among so many things. Um, I do want to say that on stemchallenge.com, I do have a blog post. Um, I think if you search skeptical admin, it was, I have a blog post of like, this is how I talk to my admin in the beginning to explain what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve and how I'm going to achieve it. Um, I also want to say, you know, when we talk about quick writes versus writing process, that also, if you've ever taught the writing process, you know that not every time that you're writing, you're not always going all the way through the writing process either, because that can be exhausting, right? Uh, to do the full deep process every time you break it up, you have some shorter writing activities, you do use some quick writes, there's some, you know, you want to sort of build up their fluency and not sort of get them bogged down every time um, with having like kind of setting them up, especially if they aren't like, I think there's like something to building endurance, right? For mm -hmm. engineering too. So like, it's, it's good to mix things up. It's good to focus in, like you were saying earlier, on building skills, even just things like, hey, today we're going to work on different ways to connect cardboard. You know, like you've probably seen like those anchor charts, like 3D anchor mm -hmm. charts where they show like, oh, here's how we, we do like a T connection here. Here's some other, some that could be a thing that you do yeah. is just practice cardboard connections because that's going to serve you later down the road and those students later down the road. So those are great things to do. And I think the last thing I want to say is um, when I can, I liked to do a STEM challenge as an engagement activity before I got into a lot of the content. And then at the end, we would do our redesign where they're applying the content. And that for me was a really good way to get buy-in with my students for whatever the concepts were that I was about to teach. It doesn't always work because like you said, if you're building a rocket, that's a little bit different. If they don't know how to connect things that don't know, understand circuitry, they have to have some, some of that before they can even start. But I found the buy-in for them with the content lessons when they know, oh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be important because then when I redesign, we're gonna do this again and I want it to be better. Mm -hmm. um, it really ends up saving you more time than you would think. Um, so I, I would encourage you to try that at least once and I'll stop there. I love that. Talk all day. And this is, you know, a complicated topic, right? There's so many angles to stem from the technology, the coding, the robotics, the rocketry, I could go on and on. And so Carrie, I think you need to let everybody know this conference that you're planning. Cause if we have, you know, people that are new to STEM or have been teaching STEM for a while, I think everybody should come to this conference. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, so we started this conference last year, uh, 2020 was our first year, and the goal was actually I brought together people like you and um, some of our other um, STEM favorites uh, to come together because we recognize the same thing that I think Paul was saying earlier and some others were saying on the thread too, that like people are getting thrown into this because, you know, the principal says, oh, we need to have a STEM program, you're going to be the STEM person, go. And there's like nothing, <laughs> there's like, you have to find the support on your own. So you go finding groups like this one, 
but we thought it would be a great idea to have a virtual conference. And we had luckily planned it as virtual before the pandemic. So we didn't have to pivot or change anything there, but, um, and sort of bringing together everybody to talk about or to present on whatever their passion topic was. So if you're like a green screen animation person, or you're really into um, robotics or like any of those like coding, all those things that you said, everybody has a different wheelhouse. And we wanted to bring everybody into one place where no matter who you were as, a, as an educator, you would find things that were valuable or interesting to you and you would find like really good base, like foundational content, like your three stages of three stages of STEM. Is that what um, it was like the perfect kickoff um, presentation for that? But we're doing it again this year. And our beliefs around our professional development is we want it to be sort of um, there's something for everybody and it's going to get your brain like firing. But we also know that you don't have a ton of time. You probably can't take days off. So we wanted to make it accessible for a whole year so that you can sit over the four days and you can watch everything. If you want, your brain will probably be on fire. if you do that. And so I recommend taking it at your own pace, watching the live sessions when they're live. And then the pre-recorded sessions, you piece those in where you have the time to do it and can actually like take the time to absorb it. But then you have a whole year to go back which is, I think, so helpful because I think a lot of the presentations or a lot of conferences I've been to, I feel amazing when I'm there. And then a week later, I like don't remember a lot of things or I go back into my notes and I'm like, what, what is this? Like, I don't, oh man, I wish I could ask that person a question or go back and see it again. And so we try to make it super accessible and early registration is actually through the end of this month. Um, and it's, if you catch it during early registration, it's $35 and 98 cents. It's four days of training. Plus we have uh, resources going out every week. So this week, uh, teachers are terrific, had a paper airplane STEM challenge that went out on Monday. Next Monday, it'll be somebody else's. It The conference pays for itself over and over again. And your admin should support yeah. you. Uh, so I recommend there's even on the, I'm sure you'll share your link. Um, yeah. There is halfway down the registration page, there's a PDF that's conference at a glance. I think send that to your admin and see if they'll pay for you to go because you shouldn't be paying for it out of pocket, pocket, but we did price it in a way that we thought was well below what it's worth, knowing that mo many teachers will pay for it on their own. Right. And you don't have to go to a conference. I mean, travel fees, hotel fees, that's what makes it so affordable. And you can go to everything. You don't have to choose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. Um, I hope we can continue this conversation I, and everybody in the STEM space group. Thank you for joining us and hope to see you again soon. Have a great day. Bye. Thank, thank you. you.